Welcome to the Black and White. I'm Abigail. I'm Alex. And let's talk Hatchetfield. So today we're going to be talking about Emma Perkins. We'll be talking about her childhood and her rivalry with Jane, her basic character like her loneliness and her commitment issues, as well as the differences between the different shows she's in. So Emma is really independent and like lonely. And she's been told that she has to be perfect, and then in her mind, she's not. Yeah, Emma has, like, major commitment issues. She thinks, like, I'm going to live while I'm young, I'm going to do all this crazy stuff, I'm going to go and have all these, like, one-night stands, I'm not going to care. And then, now that she's 30, she's kind of going insane, because she doesn't have any plan for the future. Yeah, she's still, like, living life as, like, I don't need a plan. Like, I'm just going to do my own thing. And that that's going to end up, like, really hurting her in the future. Yeah, as we, like, see in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, because of the way that she lived when she was in her 20s, you know, moving to Guatemala, not having a job, she's now stuck working a job, which she hates, and going to community college to try and learn to actually do something which is starting a pot farm, which is very telling of her character, that she only really thinks about money, in a sense. Yeah, she even sold her genetic material just for money, not thinking about, hmm, this is a little bit weird. Why would somebody want this? She just saw the price tag and decided to go for it. And on the note of her moving to Guatemala, She went and then proceeded to completely ignore everybody in her life. She just tried to shut them all out. I think for her, by her going there, she wasn't, like, surrounded by her family of, like, Jane being perfect and a pressure of her to be perfect. And that that's why she wanted to leave was that so she could just be her own person without, like, standards of how she should be. She seems to crave closeness in a weird way where she wants to be close to people but her commitment issues and her sense of no I'm going to be imperfect I'm going to go against like what everyone tells me I need to be I'm going to do all these crazy things means that she lacks the closeness that she actually really wants yeah I think for her she doesn't realize that she can like be herself and do all these cool fun crazy things and still like have a plan for the future and be successful and in her mind it's either you have a family and you have a good job and you're like this perfect person and don't get to do all these fun things that she likes doing and she doesn't realize that you can do both emma talks a lot about her childhood in uh, her conversation with paul and the guy who didn't like musicals and she talks a lot about her relationship with her older sister jane So I think that from a very early age, Emma was told, like, Jane is being perfect. Like, she has this plan of her life, and she's just this perfect child, and you need to be like her. And then Emma wasn't. And I think that then from an early age, Emma was like, I'm a failure. Yeah, because Jane had, like, this little notebook, which she stuck to, which is actually pretty telling of her character, but we'll talk about that when we uh, move on to, like, Jane the Car and the Houston family as a whole. But Jane was very manipulative and very, um, she had a straight goal and she stuck to that goal. And that 
obviously made her the favorite but it also meant that during childhood Jane would probably like make Emma think less of herself yeah and I think that Emma was just taught like that this is the only way to be successful and that then that she would have been successful doing other things but that she was never given the option to do other things and that just made it so that she um she just decided to not try because she thought she could never be like Jane so she just wouldn't try yeah Emma like and even as she grows up you can see that that deeply affected Emma like she idolized her sister quite a lot just like she stuck to it she got it here she got it there she made it seem like the things that Jane was doing of sticking to like a script for her life were good things even though it just shows that Jane is a control freak if she's sticking to stuff like that yeah and you can see that their relationship still like is very manipulative as they grow up with the whole thing that Emma says about like um I would get invites to all these parties um and all that and Jane probably just invited her for the sake of being able to be like why won't you come like and try and guilt trip her yeah and I think that also Jane once again wanted her to be viewed as the perfect child and did that also so that like of course I'm gonna invite my sister and then make her look bad when she doesn't come even though it was actually pretty unreasonable seeing as Emma lived in Guatemala and so she would have to like pay for travel just to go for like a birthday or something like that and Emma who doesn't really enjoy being around people in her family probably wouldn't want to pay for a plane ticket or um a ferry or like a bus or whatever just to go and see her family whom she didn't really like yeah I think Jane knew she wasn't gonna come it was just like oh why is Emma not here because I didn't invite her sound I'm sure would sound a lot worse than she didn't want to come and Jane once again wanted to be viewed as perfect yeah because with Emma then after Jane died going back to Hatchetfield she still has the little strains of Jane's manipulation hanging over her feeling like she has to have this job which she doesn't like and she has to go to college and she has to get a good career and a successful career because that's the only way she'll be able to feel good about herself is if she ever comes close to achieving what Jane would have achieved. So Emma has a lot of relationships with people that are both good and bad. So we'll start with the good. Her relationship with Paul. They have a very good relationship dynamic over the mediums we see when they're not a clone or an android, which is Black Friday and and the guy who did my musicals, they seem to have a mutual respect for each other and their relationship seems quite healthy, all things considered. It's very clear, though, that Emma, or the real Emma, doesn't want to be that committed to him. She probably does not want to marry him. Even in Black Friday, where they've been dating for about a month, she's like, oh, we even put labels on it. And Paul very much does want to be like in a committed relationship. Paul as a character wants the simple, a simple life. He just wants a normal life, and so it's assumed that he would want like the 
the textbook, um, office job, wife, like kids. Emma doesn't want any of that. She yeah. Even in what do you want, Paul? Paul says like, oh, like I want what anyone wants, like a wife, the kids, like a job. Yeah, but Emma doesn't want a job. She doesn't want kids, very clearly. And she does not want to be anyone's wife. She doesn't ever want to be committed. Yeah, and I think that that's something that Paul and Emma will definitely struggle in their relationship. In the versions where it is actual real Paul and real Emma. I think what they both need is therapy. Yeah. And I... I can just imagine Paul trying to get Emma to go to therapy, but I don't think it would work. Oh, definitely not. She would never go. Um, moving swiftly on, is her relationship with her biology professor. So it's very clear that she was probably just getting his groceries for extra credit and didn't really think anything of it. Probably like did bad on an assignment and just wanted like to get a good grade. And Higgins took that way too far. They have a very, very strangely close relationship. Like, it's very weird how close they are. And it's kind of suspicious that, like, he's her teacher and he officiated her wedding. He didn't just go, he officiated it. Yeah, he probably, my theory is that he wasn't invited and he wasn't qualified at all. But he just decided to tell her he was qualified because he wanted to go to his favorite student's wedding. And then he just didn't leave and stayed for the reception. Yeah, because it's very unlikely she would invite anyone really to the wedding. The entire wedding would really just be Paul's side of the family. Well, I mean, there would be no wedding if it was real Emma. Of course, yeah. Or maybe the reason why Hitchens was there is because since it was fake Emma... Um, she thought that, like, who does, like, she did her research and really did a good job of impersonating her, but there are some things that it's, like, Emma wouldn't do, and I think that invited Higgins, yeah, I think she might know, like, oh, there's this Higgins person that she seems somewhat close to, I should invite him. Without thinking, wait, it's her teacher, wouldn't that be kind of weird? Yeah. Um, so... Then our um, next is her co-workers, Nora and Zoe. She definitely has a very poor relationship with, with them, which definitely influences how much she hates her job. But Zoe especially, she seems to kind of envy Zoe, who is 10 years younger than her, but has a manager position over her is majored in theatre, has been in multiple shows, and just is kind of more successful than her. Yeah. And just the fact that she's so much younger than her, she's like, she can see that Zoe really has a future, and for her, she thinks that she definitely doesn't. Yeah, I mean, Emma spent her 20s just doing nothing in Guatemala, and Zoe's spending her 20s with a job doing theatre, um, getting like all this stuff and actually being successful and I think Emma kind of resents her for having the initiative to do that um, in the same way that she like would secretly resent her sister for having like this perfect life 
Yeah, for sure. And then there's Nora, who really enjoys bossing Emma around. Yeah, I think that because Nora's the boss, like, she obviously can't really speak out against her. But she just, she hates the fact that she's being bossed around. And she, like, wants to just quit. But she knows that, like, she has to have the money. I don't think she even really cares about having the money from the job. I think she just thinks, oh, I have to have this job because then maybe my parents will love um, me instead of just loving my sister. Even though her parents are dead, as of the guy who didn't like musicals. And so she's basically sucking up to people who aren't even alive anymore. Yeah. We first meet Emma Perkins in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals when she's like a struggling barista at Beanie's and she really, really hates her life. So it's very clear that she's doing that job just for the sake of having a job. She doesn't want to like go anywhere with that job, like have it take her places. She just wants, she's just doing it and she doesn't care if she gets fired. She doesn't really care about anything. That's a pretty like clear trend in her character. But she doesn't really care about like doing stuff and getting anything like done in her life. And even when she like quits the job, she's like, I can go to Starbucks. However, I don't think Starbucks was hiring. Yeah, and, so, and I think that by her go to Starbucks, I think that she would just go run off to another place. Yeah, I don't think she cares enough to stay in Hatchetfield. Especially since, um, actually, the final, like, job that she ends up settling on that she wants to do was actually pretty, like, definitive, and it tells us a lot about her character, is that she would be quite successful for running a cannabis farm, um, because it was going to be legal soon, and it would have been quite a lot of money for people trying to buy it. However... It's not a very respectable job. And so even though she would be successful and she would have money, she would still be like, my parents won't like this. My parents would not approve of this because it's not a very respectable job to have. Yeah, I think at that point, though, Jane was dead. Her parents was dead. She just didn't care about what other people thought anymore. She was just going to do her own thing. Especially since literally everybody was dead. Mm-hmm. Which she actually doesn't really care about like in that um, conversation with Colonel Schaefer like she obviously cared about Paul and had feelings for him as she does ask about him however she seems to have this thing where she doesn't seem too traumatized by what just happened to her like she was just in a town and people were constantly dying in front of her the guy that she had feelings for and was close to just blew himself up And now she's the sole survivor. You'd think that you would be quite a bit distressed by that. Yeah, I think she's shaken up, but that it hasn't really set in yet. And also, I do not think that she's the type of person to, like, show her emotion to other people. And that with other people in the room, she's not going to say, like, um, how she really feels or show how she really feels. Yeah, like, she's just trying to hide it. And I think that's also backed up by when Paul comes out and just the fact that she is a very intelligent person like Emma is quite smart however she doesn't think anything's wrong like Paul blew himself up 
that was like pretty clear. Paul was was like had a bomb strapped to him. He was very close to a bomb, and he is somehow alive despite having been the one to set it off. He somehow didn't get blown up, and she didn't think it weird that she literally saw the entirety of Peep um, marching, like they were all infected. She doesn't think anything of the fact that somehow somebody from Peep survived. Especially since their helicopters were even taken over by infected people. Yeah, I think at that point she had just seen so many crazy things that she and she was just like in shock that she wasn't even thinking like this is really weird. Of course, then she just showed genuine like horror and shock out during the inevitable when everyone's coming out and she's breaking the fourth wall, screaming because. At that point, her entire world had fallen apart even further than it already had. Like, she was going to move to somewhere. She was going to actually have a job. She had a plan. But here, she was literally all alone, surrounded by people who were going to take over her mind. And Emma definitely didn't want her will to be taken over by some thing, some hive. And so she was probably so distressed because she was trying to beg with herself don't fall for it, don't be under control. Yeah, I think she just doesn't like being controlled by other people, so the thought of, like, being one of them terrified her. Yeah. So in um, Forever and Always, there are actually two Emmas, and one of them, while it appears to be very similar to the real Emma, is actually very different. It's obviously the android, and the android definitely tries and does a lot of research on how to be Emma and how to act like her. However, there are just certain things that like, you can never know what a person will pick, and there are just certain things you'll never come to. Like, thinking, oh, she knows Higgins, and so she'll probably invite him to her wedding. Emma wouldn't have a wedding in the first place. And so yeah. it's kind of impossible to know who she would invite. I think that... um the android obviously like you said did the research and then i think it used its logic that it would be like oh if this person is in like such a like a committed relationship with paul and stuff naturally the next step would be getting married to him and things like that where the android emma just thought based on the research that that's common sense but it's not what a real emma would choose an android as like a as a robot sort of thing has artificial intelligence where it would only first think of the most of the most logical solution like you have a relationship with somebody and so you marry them an android or a robot would think that is the most logical solution however emma as a human wouldn't ever want to get married because of her commitment issues which we've mentioned time and time again during this episode yeah and um I think that with the real Emma that we see in Forever and Always is very like I can definitely picture that that is what Emma was like when she got back from Guatemala in the guy who didn't like musicals and that that was definitely how she was like before she got the job at Beanie's and stuff and met Paul. Yeah, and in Forever and Always, there are also, like, certain things that you can see to define, like, the real Emma versus the fake Emma. 
like um emma as a character is quite um unempathetic she has like a lack of empathy like during the guy that musical she doesn't really care that um charlotte's husband's going she's just like you need to get him over here she doesn't really care about people's feelings in black friday she says oh we're not dating there's no labels without thinking about paul's feelings and in forever and always the real emma tells him that his wife is evil without even a feeling of he loves his wife that's going to be hard on him to hear yeah i think that the real emma especially in forever and always was just so sick of people and that in the guy who didn't like musicals she's gotten she's still sick of people but she's gotten a little bit used to like oh i can't be a like i have to be somewhat decent to people but in this she just got back from her trip and she's just over it yeah and especially since in like forever and always she's obviously dealing with this whole like i've got a doppelganger thing she's stressed and so she's less likely to care, even though I don't think she would just care in the first place. Yeah. That was a more in-depth look on the character of Emma Perkins. If you have any ideas or you want to guest star on an episode, you can email us at blackandwhite-pod at outlook.com. Thank you for coming to the Black and White, the Lords and Black thank you. Try not to nuke Russia on your way out.